This podcast is made possible by our sponsors, The Interchange Bench and Vital Smarts. Feeling bullied or harassed by other people but lacking the ability to confront the situation safely? Developing your crucial conversation skills will give you the tools to talk when the stakes are high. Giving you the confidence to speak up in even the toughest situation. Visit vitalsmarts.com.au. And I've come to the conclusion that I don't really want to socialise with either of these chaps. I think that the chairman of the commission, Richard Goiter, is convinced that Labor is going to win. I think the AFL have felt this for some time. I think they're changing staff as a result. And I think they're determined to form a united view on the Uluru statement from the heart. When I text you in the early hours to say, oh my God, you know, Doris has died, I actually did say to you, I thought she popped off a few years ago. I'm shocked you thought that. She enjoyed a very healthy old age. In all my years of covering footy and MCC politics, I've got an understanding and have written a a lot about the politics there. I've never seen leaking like this. The story of these women is really fantastic and Carol, it's a great documentary about how grassroots politics and grassroots movements work. Big plus for democracy. It's a brilliant, brilliant documentary. Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast with Caroline Wilson and Corey Perkin. And welcome everybody. It is time again for Don't Shoot the Messenger Corrie Perkin, my dear friend, the bookseller extraordinaire, Wheeler Centre aficionado and book expert. You've got another book for us this week, Corrie. It's episode 85 and that is the same age that my father, Ian Wilson, turned over the weekend. So happy birthday, Dad. Happy birthday, Dad. Big family weekend in the Wilson family, Donahue family, oh. Mother's Day, etc., etc. Uh, Corrie, you're grumpy. You have a crush. I have a GLT. You have... I'm looking forward to hearing about your documentary and um, I just want to pay tribute to a couple of uh, contactors or listeners or as Corrie would call them potties this week. That Lisa on Instagram, can Caro please elaborate on Lululemon as a cult? I'm afraid I might be a member and don't know it. Look, they just do cultish things when you work there. How do you know? Well, they... Are you moonlighting? They have to sort of go and do special Pilates and yoga classes. Oh, they and, do not. I think How do they, you know that? They have some interesting backers. I'm if just going to leave it there, Corrie. If anybody would they like to let us know what activities you do? And like the people in Benetton in the New York store, which we talked about last week, do they have to have folding lessons, how to fold a jumper so it looks neat in the shop? Well, they're mainly on hangers and it's sort of active wear, so it's sort of different. Uh, Carol, you got a bit of a slap. I'm not sure whether this is a correct slap or not from on the Instagram account. OBR.J says, Caro forgot the cheese in the white sauce. Then you add the grated cheese on top of the cauliflower. That's no. how this no, person no, no, cooks no. it. Well, that might be how you cook it. You do well, no, not... I don't. I don't. I've never cooked it. You, what are their names? Well, it's OBR.J. I'm not sure who that OBR.J. is. OBR.J. You don't put cheese into your bechamel or white or into your white sauce with cauliflower cheese. The cheese goes on top and not in the sauce. Unless you want to have a cardiac arrest. But my recipe, well, if that's the way they do it, that's fine. But this is mum's old recipe and it doesn't have cheese in the white <laughs> I sauce. That. I love that potties are now feeling that they can actually say, no, I don't like your recipe. How about this one? Don't modify um, my recipe. MS rule AU on the Instagram account also said to Corey, easy to mix up Shirley Jones with Florence Henderson, similar character personalities and haircuts. However, Greg is no David. 
as in Greg Brady well, is no David I Cassidy. agree with the second bit, but how you could confuse them is Okay, let's not go over it me. again. And then did, you, did you see What the, about Le I know. Did you see that? The little... Um, Le what's her underscore name? Livre. Mary Stewart novel. It's so pretty. We will re-Instagram this. So Le underscore Livre, who is actually Virginia, one of uh, my favourite book book Instagram accounts to follow and she said I was inspired to pick up this Mary Stewart novella bought a few years ago in London because of the pretty cover after listening to Don't Shoot the Messenger podcast when Caroline Wilson was enjoying a few Mary Stewart novels. There you go. So that's pretty terrific. But what was the name of it? It looks so pretty. Oh, I'll have to look on my you, phone. I can't you, remember. You now. have a look while I answer. It's called The Wind Off the Small Isles. It's yes, such a beautiful cover. So and we will reproduce that. Is it like the Canary Islands or somewhere like that? It's, I do, uh, it's not set in Greece. Set I know in that. Lanzarote in the Canary Islands. You're absolutely right. So, Cara, what I did after receiving this message from Virginia and this very nice shout out to the book pod. Uh, sorry, to you the, ordered don't shoot it in the for my birthday present. I have ordered this copy in. So, watch this space. I'm not sure it's going to arrive in time for your birthday, but anyway, watch this space. You may receive it. And a very quick shout to Joanna Brand via Facebook. He's got issues with possums eating her lemons. They must be very hungry to be eating her lemons. Other than putting a net over the tree, any ideas? Joanna, we've told you, dog hair. Dog hair or animal fur of any kind, put it, brush your dog or I don't know if you don't have a dog quite what you're going to Go do. Go and find the nearest golden retriever. But Anna from it. the op shop, this tip comes from, and you put it in a plastic bag and hang it on whatever tree or rose bush or whatever you're trying to protect, they keep away. I do not know why, but it works. And from Heather Dyer on Facebook, she, she said uh, uh, that she loved our cookbook well, it's called the Good Food Cookbook, the one we mentioned last week. And she said, I've cooked four dishes from that book already and all were excellent. Hot off the mark, Heather. Well done. And I'd just like to thank the potties who over the weekend called in to say g'day uh, to buy Mother's Day gifts, either for their own mothers or indeed, in, in the case of a couple of mums, for themselves. Was and it a good day? The, good trading uh, it, weekend? Not, not bad. It's always bad before the election whatever election, state or federal, business is terrible. So it's coincided with Mother's Day, which usually is a good time for retailers. Alas, not this year. But I do want to thank the uh, listeners who called into the shop. I love seeing you and I love it when you say day. So thanks for visiting. Very thoughtless of Scott Morrison to call an election. On his birthday. Before Mother's Day. So it was his birthday on after the After Mother's and Day. Bills. So he's affecting Retail Australia. And before the Dreamtime game at the G between Essendon and Richmond, which is always chock-a-block with politicians trying to get their bib in from every party, well, now they probably won't feel the need because the election will have been done and won. Anyway, Corrie, we'll come to the election, but thanks to our wonderful sponsors who helped to make the show possible. They, of course, are the Interchange Bench and Vital Smarts. Now, Corrie, goal of the month, May. Yep. How is your veggie garden going? That was April. Oh, what's your... what's May? Veggies are going well, thanks. Is it Waiting for those cauliflowers so I can make you cauliflower cheese. It's the Thousand Steps, which is in the Dandenong Ranges. So I haven't done it yet, but I have isolated three possible dates in my diary. And in fact, I WhatsApped to our gang, our walking gang, would, you, would anybody like to come with me? And Anna from the op shop was, has so far been the only person who said, yes, I will come on that date. I'll get my diary out in a minute. We'll sort that out after And she suggested show. we go in one car, which is a very good idea. Uh, so no, Cara, I haven't achieved it yet, but I have been walking the burbs and the parks of Melbourne like there is no tomorrow. 
because I feel very underprepared for my thousand steps. Bit scared. How's your mothering going? Um, my mothering is going well, although individual mothering hasn't really kicked off yet. <laughs> I did have... Those children are still waiting for their special outing with their mum. We did have a special... We had a beautiful dinner on Saturday night um, and a really nice drink with Dad for his birthday. And both Dad and his wife came around and we had a gorgeous night. And then they went off to another dinner and we had a... I cooked family dinner and at 9.30 I said I'm exhausted and going to bed and they all paid out on me and my lack of recycling and the automatic light in the bathroom and everything that's wrong with the house. And then we had a really lovely Mother's Day. So, and then and tonight we're having another big family yes, dinner still in Carlton. Haven't, but you still haven't done your challenge. Your challenge was to take each of your three children individually to a special outing. Well, to do something special together. And I think Clem was hoping she'd go to Uniqlo or something. Yeah, she <laughs> to was hoping. Yeah. Anyway. Do you know what we did for Mother's Day? Or actually, we had Mother's Eve because I had to work on Sunday. So up to Ballarat, lovely dinner there, all the family. Oh, missing Will and Lib, sadly, but everyone else was there. And after dinner, we played this great game, Boulder Dash, which is a bit oh, like the yes. old dictionary game we used yep. to play. Anyway, more on that later. That Am I a- the champion? Yes. That is a good game. Can I tell Fibs? Yes. We uh, we had a really lovely walk to the local Oval after the most incredible lunch on Mother's Day that Clementine largely cooked, and it was unbelievable. It was a banquet. Do we have any recipes of that today? No, well, no, because no. Oh, okay. But I can I can tell you a couple of things she made. But um, the slow roasted shoulder of lamb bone in, which I did rub with spices the night before, was unbelievable. Whose recipe? Don't know. It was very nice, though. Mm, it was very, very nice, Clem. I, I, I might be able to come back to you on that. But um, we all went to the local Oval and Ned climbed um, the goalpost in imitation of Dane Rampey, which we all had a good laugh about. Okay, so I know that's on our list of things to talk about, so let's fast forward to that. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, a rule is a rule, isn't it? It's one of our five quick questions, and I do have oh, okay. a thought on it, and I'll come back to you on that. Well, okay. well done for tipping Sydney, though. Now, Corrie, the election is upon us. It's happening on Saturday. We did promise Potties that your husband, Brendan, would drop him if he had time, but alas, he is too busy on the campaign trail, so we're going to have to pretend that we know a lot about the election and that we really care. We'll get him in. Oh, we do care. We'll, yeah, get, we him do. In, we'll get him in afterwards to um, assess what happened. We, people seem to think it could all come down to Victoria. Why is that? Well, why is that indeed? I'm not entirely sure that we can isolate Victoria because I think there's a few, there are a few swinging seats in Queensland that we'll have to be watching. Indeed, the entire country we will be watching. Somebody said the other day, you won't be able to turn your telly off till midnight until Perth comes in, until WA comes in. It'll no, be down to the wire. No, except it, it is extraordinary that the Libs seem so worried about Higgins and Kuyong. I, it, I just cannot believe Josh Frydenberg would lose his seat. Well, it does seem extraordinary. However, Caro, the other day I was listening to Julian Burnside on Fran Kelly's program on Radio National, and he talked about why he has entered politics and why, why now. And it's all about the environment for him and the future of the planet. And even though she tried to sidetrack him with the asylum seeker issue, and of course, as we know, he's been an advocate for many years, he actually said, look, that is a human rights uh, issue. But if we have no planet, we have no human rights, which is a fair call. And he sort of steered it gently back to his, um, you know, his domain. He's not confident, I wouldn't say, but if preferences fall his way, 
Who knows? It could be extraordinary. The interesting thing also I've I've been wondering about my response to the two leaders because, of course, we saw Bill Shorten last week, what we think is a game-changer moment in the discussion about his mother and how his mother was portrayed in the Murdoch press uh, and Scott Morrison's um, generous response to that on Bill's side and so on. But I've been watching the Liberal Party launch the other night and and both of their performances shortened on Q&A. And I've come to the conclusion that I don't really want to socialise with either of these chaps. Scott Morrison reminds me of the kind of bloke who, you know when you go to a barbecue, a friend's barbecue or the neighbour's barbecue, and there's a guy turning the sausages with a beer in hand, and, you know, he's a bit of a boring chap. And um, he sort of, as the day goes on, he gets a bit louder and louder, and you think, oh, no, I'll avoid him. I'll go and talk with the women inside. And then Bill Shorten strikes me as the sort of person who you would sit next to at the dinner party. And he doesn't ask you one question about yourself. Ladies, we all know those chaps exist, don't we? And he'll probably pour the expensive glass of red wine before he t- tops up your glass. There's just something about these chaps. <laughs> I had to put them in a social context to try and think, how can I possibly relate to them? Would I want to sit down at a dinner party with either of them? Exaggerated. And then I thought, I don't think Scott Morrison would do dinner parties. He's more the barbecue in the backyard. Guy. See, I thought Paul Keating had some great assets as a Prime Minister and as a Treasurer, and I thought John Howard had some great assets as a Prime Minister. I don't know if I would have been really comfortable socialising with either of them either. I remember sitting with Paul Keating after Collingwood won the flag in 1990. Remember he briefly became yes. a Collingwood supporter? He was a number one ticket <laughs> To win over the electorate, which, and I remember sitting down and we asked him about the game. He said, my heart was in my mouth, and I thought, no, you're just making this up. You have no interest at all. You are not... Interesting on the, I mean, I. I'll but he pl- talked to you. He was engaging, and look, you could talk to Paul about French antique clocks till the cows yes, come. Clearly, home. football was not the topic you would be engaging him on. But I, I don't think, know what I talked to Scott Morrison about. I'm not sure about. Bill would de- necessarily pour a red for him before you, and I'm not sure Scott would be boring at the start of the barbecue. I think he seems a very amiable sort of bloke. Oh no, he he would be all right at the start of the barbecue, but as the day goes on, I think he would just become a bit louder. You know how he's got that slightly passive aggressive tone in his voice. You can often hear it in interviews. I, I get think, a bit scared by that. I don't like that. But it's, it's he, been I, about I think him. I think he's going to lose and I think that Josh Frydenberg will win his seat and I think that he'll assume the leadership of the Liberal Party. That would be my view. Troy Bramston uh, writing in The Australian uh, talked about the Coalition's official campaign launch and he said it was all about brand ScoMo, which I have to say I agree. And Troy said, in a presidential-style pitch, Scott Morrison asked voters to make the choice not so much about parties as about personalities. Well, I think you're in a, you're cruising for a bruising then. And the fact that there was no Malcolm Turnbull, Tony Abbott or John Howard, no Brendan Nelson, no Alexander Downer, no John Hewson or Andrew Peacock, no one, no former Liberal leader turned up. Well, I think John, didn't John Howard think it would be inappropriate given all the other blokes weren't there? Well, I don't know what John Howard was thinking because he then the next day went on a walk with Tony Abbott around the electorate of Warringah yeah. saying hello to storeholders in a shopping mall. That they, look, I don't know whether that was such a good There's a lot move, of ghosts Tony. of Christmases past, aren't there? Whereas obviously Bill Shorten was surrounded by everyone. What do you think if, and, and I think everyone is expecting, it's interesting, um, the AFL CEOs met this week and Ian Darling, who's made this unbelievable documentary about Adam Goods called The Final Quarter, actually flew down to Melbourne or to Werribee Mansion to show the documentary. The reason I mention this is I think 
that the chairman of the commission, Richard Goiter, is convinced that Labor is going to win. I think the AFL have felt this for some time. I think they're changing staff as a result, and I think they're determined to form a united view on the Uluru Statement from the Heart, and I think they want everyone to look at this Adam Goods documentary, which is going to be very confronting for certain senior, certainly senior media people in the game, and some AFL people and certain club presidents like Eddie Maguire, who's already seen the film and I'm sure found it very tough. I think they want a united voice behind Adam Goods as well, which I th- and I think it will all sort of meld into the same thing. But if the – and Brendan did say, didn't he, when he came on my Brendan, it would mm. be 55-45 mm. in the days leading up to the election. Well, mm. I looked today and it was – Fifty-four, forty-six. Mm. So he he almost got it exactly right. Well, it, it still could swing that little bit extra. That's why you don't vote early. If anyway, it were, topic. if if what is not predicted did happen, and Scott Morrison were to win, what do you reckon will happen with Bill Shorten? Well, in terms of leadership, yeah. I mean, I reckon you think Tanya Plibersek, but it could be on for no, young. No, well, I don't know. I, that's a really interesting question because I think probably the electorate. And the party room would say that Bill Shorten has performed well in this election campaign. He still has the luck, the question mark over his likability, and it's whether the party is prepared, isn't it? Really, is the party prepared to go for? Uh, I mean, which the Liberal Party did with John Howard. He had one of the lowest approval ratings of any opposition leader ever, and then he trounced Keating, and he ended up being prime minister for such a long time. So. So likability factor, would the Labor Party caucus take that into account? I'm not really sure. Certainly Tanya Plibersek has performed really well too, don't you think? I, 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 get, I, I feel warmth when I see her and sincerity. I, I do. I, I don't think she's been given a starring role because I think they've left that to Bill to have the starring role yeah. and she is such a good performer. And I think she would be my first choice as replacement if we're shortened to lose. But I, I think there'll I be others read... who'd be pretty keen to put their hand up. Well, you know, at this, at this time as an election is looming in the same week of, this sort of discussion that you and I are having is one often that the scribe, the political scribes will have and they will they will start sniffing around, is there any discussion about what happens on Sunday morning with your leader? I haven't read one story yet, unless I've missed it, that has said Bill Shorten will get rolled in the party room or, you know, whatever's going to happen. I don't know. I it's going to be really interesting. I think we're going to see, and we've only got days to go, some pretty last-minute desperate tactics involving comments about terrorism, comments, more comments about what is going to happen to first home buyers, more comments about what is going to happen to the debt and how things are going to be paid for. But if you were, I'll, I'll, I'll give you Shorten, if you were Shorten's strategy boss, what would be your last thing you'd do this week? Oh, the last tactic? Yep. Uh, I would go and find another school like I think it was Monday, we saw him swamped by school kids or Sunday. Yep. Uh, Monday, wasn't it? Uh, swamped by school kids and everybody shouting out Bill's name, wanting selfies. And Bill looks so comfortable, actually. He looks so at home in that environment. He didn't look awkward or weird, which we've often seen from people like Tony Abbott. Um, I must say Scott Morrison would be comfortable in that area too. He's very good. He's very much a sort of a man of the people as well. But I would just be saying find another big opportunity with young people because they're the future and that seems to be the thing that the Labor Party talks about. Liberals are talking about Labor and how they're going to stuff it up. The Labor Party has been talking consistently about the future. So if you're with young people, what better message? And if I what was would Scott, you do? Well, if I was Scott Morrison, I'll take the other side. I would give a no-holds-barred interview on the 7.30 report or um, 
ABC or Neil Mitchell or the equivalent in Sydney, and I would actually put my hand up to what the chaos that has gone on over the past four years in the Liberal Party, and I would own it. And I would say that it has been most unfortunate and I regret so much of it. And yes, if we get a kicking, we deserve it because people, the other mob did it, but we did it just as badly. And this is why, though, you have to continue to back us in. And I would just get all of that out of the way and just talk about so it. So address because, all the elephants in the room. Because it's there and, mm. and, and he has refused to talk about it. I regret I put my arm around Malcolm Turnbull because at that stage I was still supporting him. That is what – it was so chaotic. That is how it happened. I mean, I would just – And, of go, course, that image is the one that's being replayed yeah. again and again in the Labor Party ads. And, and then I would, I, would focus on, I would focus on financial management from that point on and I would talk about the fact that we too are helping with cancer treatment, you know, and go through all those different things. I mean, I, I think Victoria is going to be a massive, massive problem for them. But I think that that could resonate with people. Anyway, so I doubt Caro, that's going to happen. So, what do you think will happen if the if the Liberal Party is rolled on Saturday night? What do you think will happen to Scott Morrison? I think he'll get rolled. Do you? I think so. Do you? By whom? I, I just know there's just too much treachery in that. When I put it, there'll be a spill, and I actually don't know who. I, Dutton's got no hope. I don't think Abbott will come back. I don't think either of them. I mean, well, Abbott, both of them could get rolled yeah, in their well, seats. Well, exactly. Who um, is there? It's a bit difficult to um, answer that question. <laughs> Mat- Matthias Corman? Matthias. Matthias Corman. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> After listening to the AFL people trying to pronounce that nice footballer's name, what's his name? Fantasia. 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 What I'm a, a bit ridiculous... concerned about how to say Matthias. I think although, it's Matthias, Although as someone who gets Carolyn a lot, I can relate. Or I get Kylie, so there you go. Oh, well, that's completely like different, Corey. Corey. That is completely different. Corey is an unusual well, someone name. someone the other day I picked up, you know, hi, my bookshop, Corey speaking. Oh, hello, Chloe. I'm sorry, did you just not hear what I said? Okay. People, Brendan still calls you Corny Parsu after that letter to the age back in 1982. I don't care what that Corny Parsu thinks about football. Caro, listen, it's going to be a great few days coming up. I can't wait. And uh, I do love a federal election and, of course, love your man, Anthony Green, watching him. But we'll talk about that a bit later. Tell me about what's happening at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. And why should we care? Because you told me the other day I needed to care and I just need you to tell me why I need to care. Well, the Melbourne Cricket Ground hasn't had a great weekend because there was another shocking outbreak, several shocking outbreaks of violence after the Collingwood Carlton well, so game. It, what's happening? Yep. Well, what look, is happening? Sue Wilkinson, who was um, who I just had, keep thinking of all the families and the children in the crowd who are witnessing this. There, there's been changes to the top level of their security. Their their head of security and events. Um, his name is Jared Griffin. He's left the stadium. He, in fact, he started this week at a new job overseeing Cadinia Park, GMHBA Stadium. Um, his subordinate in charge of security, high-powered English woman by the name of Sue Wilkinson, who ran the um, London Olympics for the British intelligence, ran all of their security. She's gone to a major role with the T20 World Cup. There has been a another Interpol bloke, an Australian, re- replace her. There was even talk that Ken Jones famously oh, really? wanted the job. Not sure about that. But what is happening at the MCG is that 
Stephen Goff left after almost two decades, more than 17 years in the job. He was revered by his staff. Some people said he stayed too long. But, I mean, like anyone, you know, I, I don't th- – you know, you know, maybe time for a change was a year or two before. He was replaced by the Hawthorne CEO, Stuart Fox, in what was seen as a really good appointment for Stephen Smith, the then president. Michael Happel has since become president of the MCC. What has happened in the two years is that there's been a massive deal done with the AFL and the state government and the now-named Marvel, formerly known Etihad Stadium, which is guaranteed the grand final will be at the MCG until the mid-2050s. Very irksome to non-Victorian clubs. Clubs who play there get extra money. It was seen as a wonderful deal, although some of the old guard believe that the MCC should have stayed linked with government and not got involved in a four-way with the AFL and Marvel Stadium. But Stuart Fox has a very different management style. Some say tougher. Some say he is less of a doer. Some say Stephen Goff, you know, was always going to have – Stuart Fox was always going to have detractors because Stephen Goff was such a popular and revered figure. isn't that inevitable when there's change at the top? There are leaks coming out of that organisation that I have never seen – I, in all my years of covering footy and MCC politics, and you know, and I'm, I've been a member since 1982. I was in the first intake of women, not showing off about that, but I feel as though I've got an understanding and have written a lot about the politics there. I've never seen leaking like this. I've never been called by so many. And, and Stuart Fox is determined, as are the committee, that there are a few disgruntled former employees, as they're always known. And two, two execs have left after many years in the job and two other senior people have left as well. Not all because they're disgruntled. But the fact is, there is a lot of unhappiness. A year ago this week, there was the annual sleep out of the G run by the Melbourne City Mission. Um, a couple of people, a couple, of, at least two women got intoxicated, badly drunk. Uh, Stuart Fox went into one of the private corporate boxes, had a drink with them. Staff were really unhappy. Um, the report of the incident to Karen Wood, former BHP deputy, who's um, now chairman of their big subsidiary company, who is a lot of people wanted to become the next president, but she was too busy. There was a review into Stuart Fox's performance. He says that was going to happen anyway. There is unhappiness there, and I'm not sure where it's going. There's also been the food scandal that you can't necessarily blame on the boss, but there's just a couple of signs of unrest so are you gunning for him? You... No, I, I get on really well with Stuart Fox and we had some pretty robust conversations last week and he is absolutely determined that he is an agent for change and that it's going to be tough at times. So what's the solution here? Well, I think I think um, there are a couple of key appointments he has to make and there are a couple of key roles. I think that heritage and events and security are three areas where new people are going to come in and take over. There's a new media boss. Um, Sophie Henderson's come over from the AFL, replacing Shane Brown. I think that there's going to be some big decisions made about membership and the whole question of blockbuster games and the grand final, etc., and how many members will be allowed to be just walk-ups. I think there's a relationship with the AFL. I think that Stuart Fox needs to, and, and he has told his staff that he will change his style. He said that to them last year after the review. He apologised after the sleep out. But I think he needs to galvanise his staff because there is clearly some disunity. Well, we want him to do something about security. That's for sure. Now, Corrie, 
Before we go to Crush of the Week, which of course is sponsored by the Interchange Bench, and I, this is a question without notice, but just briefly on Doris Day, what a wonderful icon of the 20th century she was. Well, And the icon word is overused, but not in her I case. I heard you in the intro say, you know, one of your favourites. I have to say she was never one of mine. Oh, I love it. Even though my dear friend Doris is actually named after Doris Day. Well, <laughs> and her sister Annie was named after Annie Oakley. And her other sister, Esther, was named after Esther Williams. How's that? Well, that is extraordinary. Um, there was <laughs> They're a, a family of there showgirls. There was a genre of films she did, many of them with, two of them with oh, Rock Hudson and Tony ones. Randall. Yeah. But she was well, never sexy enough. Oh, she was the ingenue of ingenues. She was funny and innocent, but knowing. She captured five or six different major See, things. I think she was best when, you know, younger days, Calamity Jane. Oh no! There was when she played. You know the there was love a comeback. The 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 tough girl, the tough girl who's feminized when she falls in love, and that great song "Whip Crack Away, Whip Crack Away." She was yeah, love she that. was she was great in that. But and but I love the tender trap. I love the glass she bottom boat. Away. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember, remember that with yeah, Rod Taylor, wasn't he? Gorgeous? I do. And do you remember the Doris Day show we grew up with? Yeah, that well, was just so weird because they son- started life in the country, but then. Three series on, she was back in San Francisco. It was very And it opened with her singing Que Sera, which she made famous in that um, Alfred Hitchcock film that was her one real, one of her great dramas. But I felt that she was at her best in The Tender Trap, Send Me No Flowers, um, The Pillow Talk. Yeah, so she was a more mature actor. Remember when she She was was married to. 35 or 40 at that stage. No, she she was. When she she did Pillow Talk on those. No, no, she was, Carol. What was the one with David Niven? It was called Don't Tread on the Daisies or Be Careful of the Daisies. And he became a film critic after leaving some other job. And she was worried he was getting too in with all the. Pull up the daisies? Oh, well, thank you. Anyway, that was a great. Carol, I have to confess to you. She had terrible husbands. One abused her, one embezzled all her money. When I text you. In the early hours to say, oh, my God, you know, Doris has died. I actually did say to you, I thought she'd popped off a few years ago. I'm shocked you thought that. She enjoyed a very healthy old age and only was in her 90s when she got pneumonia and died two days ago. And I gather she's leaving it all to the animals, the animal yeah, welfare. because men disappointed her, all three husbands. Four, I think. Oh, wasn't and it? her son, her only son, died a few years ago. He died of melanoma, which was really sad. But he he wrote, um, he produced Kokomo with the Beach Boys. Anyway, I'm he not, produced I'm not turn, accepting. Turn, I'm not, turn with I'm the not birds. accepting. Corey, Doris's. I'm giving you some big moments of trivia here. <laughs> but I'm <laughs> and he produced her show, the Doris Day show. I hope your facts are more correct than mine about David Cassidy and Shirley Jones. Well, I would never say anything. But I don't want you to gazump my crush of the week with your with your Doris Day here. It is time for crush of the week. It is brought to us as always by the Interchange Bench. And whenever there is a gap in your essential staff team, remember you can fill it with a pro from the Interchange Bench. All professional level roles, all industries and sectors, both long and short term. There's a few jobs going at the MCC at the moment, Corrie. Just call one. 800 iBench, but they're permanent jobs. Or see the interchange or see interchangebench.com.au. I do need someone off the interchange bench to fill in for you when you have your holiday soon. Hmm, I wonder who I'll choose. Let me see. Anna from who's the Op Shops good? away. Yeah, I know. Who's been good out there? Brendan will be with me. Mm, I might have to find somebody absolutely fantastic. Maybe, maybe a bloke. Oh, maybe a Mike Sheehan or a Jeff Slattery. What do you reckon? Anyway, I was. Um, my crush of the week, it's very tempting to say Helen Haynes, who is standing for the seat of Indi in northern Victoria from the retiring Cathy McGowan, who, of course, her local community loved. Corey, love it's one Helen crush. Haynes. It's one crush. I just wanted to shout out to her. I thought her performance on Q&A the other night was outstanding. Hope you get into Parliament, Helen. Now, I'm... 
going to say Jared Roughhead. Oh, not another Hawthorne footballer. Oh, don't be ridiculous. I've never done one. Don't just get back in your box. Hawthorne's former captain and four times premiership player, Caroline. He was dropped from the seniors last week, which was pretty tragic, but he took it with typical Jared Roughhead grace and dignity. Went off to the Box Hill Hawks to play in the reserves and this is his attempt to regain his spot in the senior side after 281 AFL games. 281. And he wants to still play in the AFL, which is fantastic. So what did he do on the weekend? Kicked five goals against Footscray, showed great on-field leadership, and also gave tips to one of the young Bulldogs players, <laughs> defender, uh, 21-year-old defender Reuben William, and he was giving him impromptu in-game coaching tips. Ruffy said after the game, there are a lot of teenagers with a lot of them born in the 1990s and even 2000s. But Williams said after the game, I'm always willing to learn. And Ruffy's happy to give back. So we were just having a back and forth conversation. <laughs> I thought Ruben's response was a bit underwhelming, to be honest, after the, the no, Ruffy vision said, that was well captured and by And then he said Seven. he was kind enough to tell me to keep going at it. He's a great guy. Yes, he is. He is Ruben What did you William. think of um, another former captain's comments, Lee Matthews, on Saturday? I didn't our, hear. In our 3AW box. Oh, in the sorry, lethal I wasn't in, listening to you. I was working. In the oh, lethal you were in, too, actually. I can't in, be smug about that. Yeah, well, exactly. In the lethal injection... Lee Matthews said, when you get to, if you're not in the top 15 of your of the best, if you're not in the best 15 and you're getting older, it becomes a very, very tough proposition week in, week out, and it's probably time to give it away. What's the lethal injection? It's a segment he does every week on 3AW pregame. Oh, I thought you meant we had to give Ruffy one. No, no, the lethal injection. After all he... the illnesses that he's had. Oh, no. Gosh. Oh, Corey. <laughs> Corey, Corey, Corey. They play the they play when he broke the behind post. I don't post. listen to commercial and Lou radio. Richard says, "Whoa, what a he man!" You remember when he broke the behind post? We'll talk about goalposts in a minute, as we said. Anyway, yeah, Lo, he did. I'm show going to good... set new goalposts for you. You're being rude to me. He did show good grace, and I'm very happy for you to have a crush on Hawthorne footballers. And that was thanks to the interchange. This doesn't bench. mean that you can now jump on board and start giving me back Richmond ones like you did ad nauseum last year. Well, after their performance, Jane and I against... will just have a riot. I've done three, two, and after their performance about against Fremantle on Sunday night, I feel like it. But Corrie, um, you're not grumpy about that. You're grumpy about something else. Yeah, I am. Not cars, Carol. What's the other thing I often grumpy about? Parking tickets. No, not that other. Road issues. <laughs> um, computers. Anything Gee, technical. consistent. Well, people who come into your shop talking on the mobile phone. Okay, so I've complained oh, before yeah. with people who yeah, take a no. call. What is, we have noticed this in the bookshop. We talked about it the other day as a little group and decided it is an increasingly annoying thing. People who walk into your shop talking on the phone, because you know why? Because you're a quiet haven, aka a bookshop. Yep. They walk around your stock looking at things. Yeah, mate. Yeah, no. Yep. Yeah, no, I can't make it that night yet. Yeah, well, no. What did he say in that deal? No, no, no. All this sort of rubbish. And then they walk out. So they do two laps where it's quiet and then they walk out. And you, they say, have you they, ever, given your well-known hatred of confrontation, do you ever say to any of these people, excuse me, can you keep it down? Don't be ridiculous. I'm too scared. <laughs> I would. But the other thing that annoys me, and this happened to Scott, my colleague, the other day, when a customer is on their phone paying for an item and they're still on their phone as they're paying, going, yes, thank you, you know, giving you the credit card or whatever. And then they have the audacity to apologise, not to you for being on the phone, but to the person they're having the conversation with. They say, oh, sorry, Dale, just a minute, I've just got I'm in a shop. Oh, I've just got to pay. Just hang on one second. Oh, sorry for being born, customer. 
It's hard when you really want to buy a coffee first thing in the morning and the person who you've been trying to talk to, a senior footy person for a day, and they ring you back and you're ordering a coffee. It's like, oh, no, what I tell, are you doing? No, I tell you what you do, Karen. Do you do hand are, signals? I'm no, really sorry no, I'm on the phone. What, no, what you have to do is you have to say it shows courtesy and, and it's a good um, – it's a good rule to teach other people. You say to the person who rings you, could you just hang on one second? I'm just ordering a coffee. And yes. then you say to the barista or the bookshop owner or whoever, terribly sorry to be on the phone. Could I just, you know, pay for that? So you've apologized to both people. And do you know what? That's happened to me such a lot because we have customers. You, you can't tell what if you have to take a call. I get that. But just acknowledge the person who you're having a transaction. Yeah, that, that is actually what I generally do. I have been, I remember once talking to Gillan McLaughlin and he ordered a um, coleslaw and chicken. Um, <laughs> so you know what he had to for lunch? Baguette. Carol, just one thing. <laughs> but I, just, I was asking him about equalisation. I found during the week this interesting bit of sci- a scientific fact that says that the average person talks three times louder on a mobile phone than, than they do into a face-to-face conversation. So all of you when, you, when you think that nobody in the shop is listening to your conversation, guess what? Yeah, I know people who do that, people very close to me. Now, um, it's time for BSF, Corrie. We're moving right along today. BSF stands for Books, Screen, Food. It's an acronym. That's right. And it's thanks to our, no- our other sponsor, Vital Smart. And, of course, you have to be vitally smart to read books and watch screen and do Caro's recipes, not cheese re- cauliflower recipes. Not really. You just have to be um, – you have, you have to be multi um, – Talented. <laughs> Dimensional, I think the word is. We're really looking forward to having Jeff from Vital Smarts in next week to talk more about workplace issues. Just remember, if you are having a problem with a family member or a friend or a work colleague and you're too scared to raise the issue or you don't know how to, Vital Smarts Crucial Conversations training will teach you the speak-up skills to be able to talk to almost anything, anyone about anything. Corrie might even be brave enough to tell someone to get off the phone when they're in her shop. Making tough conversations simple, that's Vital Smarts. Visit vitalsmarts.com.au. And you're holding a new book there, Corrie. I am. So, Caro, this is called The Erratics by Vicky Laveau Harvey, and it won the 2019 Stella Prize. So, congratulations, Vicky. This was announced a few weeks ago. $50,000 in her skyrocket. And boy, does she deserve it? The Erratics is a non-fiction, Caro. Uh, it actually was written by Vicky and she put it in her drawer for a few years. And then she um, <laughs> she found a small publisher who published it and then they went out of business and somebody at the Stella Prize Committee discovered it. They decided to list it and HarperCollins thankfully came on board and republished it and the rest is history, and now wow. it's won an award. It is a fabulous story about Vicky Vicky's life story with her parents. And her parents, she was born in Canada. Her parents live in a very cold, remote area of rural Canada, and she gets the call one day that her mother has fallen over and um, broken her hip, and Vicky has to meet up with her sister who lives on the coast of um, I can't remember, I think, oh, I can't remember the city, Toronto or something like that. Anyway, they both journey to the parents' home to get things in order. And what they discover there is that their weird and extraordinarily cruel and mean mother has, for years without them knowing, kept their father in isolation, almost under lock and key. They arrive, he is underweight, he has lost his 
joie de vivre, his entire reason for living. The Why mother's haven't in they hospital. been visiting all these Well, years? they have, but the mother was very good at covering it over. You know, dad's just had a cold or, you know, she was very good. And so as this story progresses, we go back in time and we see how manipulative and slightly unhinged the mother has been. Meanwhile, the father says, I don't want her back in the house. And he starts to improve. So this is the story of managing parents as they go through the aging process. But it's also a story of, you know, normal situations where it, you might not have the weird and creepy mother, but when children, adult children are trying to manage whether mum or dad go into a home, if there is one sibling who lives in the same city, so for example, you're here with your mum and dad, your sister Moggs lives in Sydney and so does your brother, you would inevitably, because of geographical reasons, you'll get the, you'll cop the lot. So Vicky is in Australia feeling sorry and guilty because her sister's carrying so much of this. The sister is trying to say, look, I get it, I understand, yet she has feelings of resentment. They're very very close siblings, or that's the feeling you get in the book, but they're inevitable problems and issues that you have to deal with. So in terms of a good book club book, and a book that raises issues, particularly for our depressing. generation. It, no, because there, a... are mo- there are moments of black humour that are hilarious. I mean, when they go out to tidy up, they put the, the father, well, I won't tell you what happens, but they do put him in a nice home. But they, they have a coming together of, you know, doing up the property to put it on the market or to rent it or whatever they do. It's hilarious moments of cleaning up and what you find, you know. So I think it's a really good book, The Erratics by Vicky Laveau Harvey. And you've got a screen, Corrie. I have indeed, Caro, just super quick Netflix. It premiered last week. It's called Knock Down the House. It is a documentary by a US filmmaker called Rachel Lears. And what she has done, what she did this time last year, she followed the story of four American women who for very different reasons decided they were going to run for Congress in last year's November midterms. Only one of them gets through, but there are four stories we follow. There's a coal miner's daughter in West Virginia. There is a grieving mother in Nevada whose daughter died in a hospital emergency ward because the family did not have any health insurance. There is a registered nurse from St. Louis who witnessed terrible um, protests against police after a police shooting of a black man. And there's a young young bartender from New York who has to take over the family business uh, after her father has died. And, of course, that Bronx-born young bartender is now Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who actually is the one who made it through to Congress. And, boy, is she a game-changer. This is a fantastic documentary, and it culminates on Election Day. And, you know, obviously... Only one of them got over the line, but the story of these women is really fantastic. And Carol, it's a great documentary about how grassroots politics and grassroots movements work. Fabulous, um, big plus for democracy. It's a brilliant, brilliant documentary. Highly recommend. I actually, that sounds great. I actually watched the last episode very late the other night after Footy Classified of Baptiste. Wow. I hope he comes back for another series. Oh, yes. And what is that on again? I've tried to find it. Um, it's on Foxtel. Is it Foxtel? On next, oh, Foxtel. Okay. BBC First, I think. Oh, I think we've lost our subscription to that because, you know, tight ass husband said we couldn't do that after. Well, you've got to see it. It's oh, fantastic. Yeah, I now, I have a recipe, and what do you cook on a Saturday night when you've got all of the family, but you've been out for a rich lunch for your father's birthday the day before, you've got a banquet being prepared, sort of Middle Eastern style by your daughter for the next day, and you've got all these different sorts of mushrooms, because it's mushroom season, or oh. almost. Now, I know you're a mushroom fan, Corrie. Yes. I found I'd myself with- mushroom risotto? Guessed it in one. 
I had, um, and there is a bit of cheese thrown Although in too. Although I've had a hallucinating, I went to a restaurant in the city, which still exists, so I won't say what, which one it was, and I had a terrible hallucination Why experience after having mushroom risotto. <laughs> no, I don't want to. Well, I just love mushrooms. I love mushroom soup. I love mushroom omelettes. I love mushroom risotto. And there, I had Swiss brown. I had some shiitake. And I had a jar of sort of preserved mushrooms that I'd brought from the Mediterranean wholesalers months ago. They so, sound very hallucinatory. They were, well, nothing, there was no hallucinating. There was a Your few glasses would have been of flying wine. Around. What's, what's with the Donahue family? There was a few You're glasses laughing, of wine. laughing, around you the know ceiling. That mushrooms are generally just a very but, – but if I was a vegetarian, I would praise the Lord every day for mushrooms because they In are fact, so – your family, who I, all, I follow all of you on Instagram, there was a lot of incredibly weird Instagramming on Saturday night. That would explain <laughs> no, There was no Instagramming on Saturday night. Anyway, very quickly, everyone knows how to make risotto. I actually had – a leek in the fridge. So just, you know, soften leek, onion and garlic with olive oil. Throw in the, I had a Boreo rice. I know there are smarter rices you can get now for risotto, but I threw in two cups of Arborio rice, which was so much too much for five people. Poured a glass of, once that was all coated with the olive oil, chucked in a glass of dry white wine. Then had a glass myself. Stirred, of course, had already by then, had stirred all that around and had, you know, the big secret of risotto is you need the chicken stock or vegetable stock boiling in another pan on the stove. Pour it in slowly, small jug by small jug until it's almost... I didn't know that tip. So you don't put it in altogether and let it heat up. Corrie. Oh, no, I've done boiled Italian water. Italian donors are turning in their grave around the world. No, no, They're no. They're not all dead. No, you, if, you want, if you're running late, you can do that, but that's not risotto. It's a slow-cooked thing, and that's the whole point. On, in another pot, apart from the boiling stock, you have the mushrooms, which have cooked up in a little bit of butter and olive oil, all different types. So they're a bit sort of not crispy, but they're just a bit cooked before you chuck them into the – so they're basically cooked. Then uh, with about five minutes to go – no, less, about two minutes to go, chuck in the mushrooms and their liquid so you probably won't need any more stock – Maybe a you tiny bit atta- more. You would have been attacking your herb garden, wouldn't um, you? That would be just a bit of parsley. That's all. Okay. Um, about a quarter of a cup of grated parmesan, parmigiana, or even just packet parmesan, shredded, whatever you've got in the fridge. Chuck that in as well. Stir it all around. When there's still a little bit of liquid and it's just al dente, put the lid on, walk away for five minutes, have another sip of wine, serve it up. It was beautiful. That um, is mushroom I'm risotto. I'm so glad it's mushroom season, aren't you? And the, I want to go on another mushroom foraging thing like you did mm, a few years I ago. I know. That was quite fun. That is thanks everything BSNF to Vital Smarts, globally proven crucial conversations. And remember, we're having Jeff in next week to talk about workplace issues. We might mm. talk about Michael Long and what might, happened to him in his workplace. Well, I might talk about how I sometimes get ago. bullied on Don't Shoot the Messenger. <laughs> oh, please. Six quick questions. Um, now, Corrie... I'm going to open the batting and ask you about your history club. What was the menu that accompanied your Ottoman Empire night, much talked of Ottoman Empire night? I know, Caro, I did no study for the Ottoman Empire night because I spent a lot of time at the Wheeler Centre last week. So I was a bit of a passenger at our history club. But our lovely hosts, because the whole idea of history club, we have this about four times a year. It's like a book club. So we talk about a period of history. Uh, This time it was... Ottoman Empire, and the thing about History Club has always been that you cook in the period or the country of the subject that you're doing. Clearly, Chinese, you do Chinese. China, you do Chinese, that sort of thing. So Ottoman Empire, uh, 
our lovely guest started serving with us Turkish borek, which is that spinach and cheese filo pastry yum yum thing. So that yep. was pretty delicious. Then for main course, we had lamb and an Ottolenghi ancient grain salad. I'm so over the term ancient grains, not used by the host, but I could tell that that's probably what it was. And then Marg cooked a wonderful potato with tomato dish, which she sent me the recipe last night, which may pop up on my recipe list for this podcast soon because it was just to to die for. And then she passed around, which I think she'd bought at the market, um, lovely baklava. So that was pretty good. Uh, We were firmly ensconced most of the night in 13th and 14th century, but it was very good. I'm very interested to know what the gang who are hosting the next one are going to cook for our theme, which is capitalism. And I'm very glad it's called Quick Questions. That's great, Corrie. <laughs> I oh, think you something, bang on about the MCG. I, something That was a topic. Yes, it's okay. Quick Questions. Next, go. Okay, mine. Kate Blanchett turns 50 this week on May the 14th, actually. What is your favourite Kate Blanchett movie, Caro? A little-known movie. I love doing that Woody Allen movie for which she won the Oscar. Um, uh, where she reprises the um, Vivian Leigh Role? Is that the one? No, we'll come back to that in a moment. I loved her in He's Not There, which was sort of the Bob Dylan one. I loved her as Queen Elizabeth, and I loved her first film, which was called Thank God He Met Lizzie. Yes. But there's a little-known film. Oh, it had every it had people in it from Iggy Pop to uh, – anyway, it's a great film by Jim Jarmusch, and it's called Coffee and Cigarettes, and it's five or six different little vignettes. Oh, is this the one where they all play Bob Dylan? No, no, no that's, no. that's He's Not There. Oh, Okay. Um, it's called Coffee and Cigarettes, and she plays two different cousins, one who clearly resents the other one. And it's all people talking, basically, over coffee and cigarettes. But I thought she was absolutely brilliant in it. I did interview her once, and before she came on air, I said, that was you in the Tim Tam ad, wasn't it, all those years ago? I mean, this is when she was a well-known Australian actress, but not really international. And she begged me not to mention it, which I thought was a bit strange. Mm, anyway, a bit of a Nicole Kidman kind of response, isn't it? Channel 7's weather expert. I can't believe you want me to ask you this question. Jane Bunn's jersey dresses. Good call, bad call? Bad call. I love the fact that she wears pop colour, you know, pop out colour like blues and cyclamens and that's all very good, terrific. But I think the jerseys are just getting a little bit too tight. It's a bit distracting. That was that would be what I would say. And I loved that she wore the black dress the other night. You look very nice in that, Jane. Caro, the goalpost rule. Good call, bad call, the end of the Swans Essendon game. I love we've caught we've turned quick questions into good call, bad call. It's quite funny. Um, <laughs> I know I couldn't think what else to write. Well look, you know, people say everyone would have gone nuts about the umpires controlling a game, but they are there to officiate the rules. That was a free kick. It was a free kick as Brendan told me as I was falling asleep, as he was telling me again the next night as I was falling asleep. Oh, as he is I still felt telling so me. sad for Essendon supporters. Look, a rule is a rule, don't you think? It was a real pity that Gillan McLaughlin didn't really know the rules the next day. It was good he stuck up for the umpires and called it good umpiring, but I don't think he had all the facts at hand. And, um, yeah, it, it should have been a free kick. And what was Dane Rampey thinking? The, the, that other um, brilliant role, of course, by Kate Blanchett was Blue Jasmine. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes, yes. What will you be doing on election night, Corrie? Uh, dinner on the lap, watching ABC TV with Lee Sales and your friend Anthony Green and Annabel Crabb and Laura Tingle and Barry Cassidy. Why would you go anywhere else, Caro? That's actually a very good point, Corrie. And Caro, final question, what is your GLT? Driving here today, Corrie, I realised the GLT had already been done. So I put out um, the question on the family WhatsApp. Rose came back with... 
go to McDonald's and have a cheap affocato, buy a 60-cent cone and a McDonald's espresso shot, pour ice cream over espresso and voila. But that is not my GLT, even though I thought it was hysterical. It would be really lovely to have McDonald's as a sponsor. Would we be open to that idea? Clem had a really good one, and this is not a free plug for the age, but Clem had a really good suggestion that I didn't know you could do. Did you know that you can get 50% off your normal subscription of the age? It's called um, like a foodie subscription, and you know how you don't want a paper every day because people say Monday's too thin and why do you want Friday? Personally, I'm a, I buy the paper every day. But you can subscribe and you get a 50 cent off deal to just the Saturday age and the Tuesday age where you get the good food guide. Mm. Or what, what's it called? Good um, food. Epicure. I think it's called Epicure. Has oh, it gone back to that it's name? Gone I back it was to, called Good Food. Anyway, whatever it's called, you, you might be right, but it, it is, I reckon, one of the best sections in the age. Well, the travel that's not section a bad is idea. very good. 50% off. That's a really good subscription deal because that's the day you always want papers delivered on Saturday and you want them delivered on maybe your, the day of your favourite section. Is your column contract coming up for a renewal? It, By chance. It, as it happens, my column does run on a Saturday, but I actually didn't think of that. No, that was – I thought they came up with two pretty good GLTs. No, 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 no. Didn't it's you like think Monty Python, were... are there any women here? No, no, no. But don't you think they're good <laughs> GLTs? Yes. I thought the avocado one was hysterical. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Well, I've had such a lovely time today. Are you going to say goodbye? I am. Tell everyone, please, to subscribe to our podcast if you think if you enjoyed it as much as we did. <laughs> five to- little stars. That's all you have to do. Just press the five stars and it helps other people find us. Tell friends and family. Send us feedback, comments, tips and suggestions. I don't mind if you want to modify my recipes. I'm sure you can improve on my mushroom risotto. You can go to Don't Shoot the Messenger Facebook page. You can follow us on Instagram at Don't Shoot Pod. We tweet, just join at Don't Shoot Pod and you can email us, feedback at don'tshootpod.com.au. Oh, and also, I should be mentioning the latest book pod, which yeah, is coming up. please do. And that's got uh, the biographer, Michelle Scott Tucker. Yes, talking about Elizabeth MacArthur. We had a lovely time, Miss Jane and I, with her. Thank you, Jane, for lovely production today. And the camellias and Corrie. Don't Shoot the Messenger. Hi, I'm Ann Summers. Hello, this is Laura Tingle. Hi, this is Leanne Moriarty. I'm Jen Harper. Hi, I'm Marcus Suzak. I'm David Maher. Join me on The Book Pod. I hope you can join Corey Perkin and I on The Book Pod. I would have been any one of the famous five. I just wanted to have those sorts of adventures because, believe me, nothing like that happened in suburban Caulfield. Always, no matter how abstract the issue, you have to find the narrative and you have to find characters and around those you build the story. You know, some authors take a decade to write a book. I would miss the meeting the readers. And I think also people often completely underestimate if something is easy to read, they think that means it's easy to write and it's absolutely not. It's such a skill. Subscribe to the book pod. Subscribe to the book pod. In your favourite podcast app. Wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is made possible by our sponsors, The Interchange Bench and Vital Smarts. Feeling bullied or harassed by other people but lacking the ability to confront the situation safely? Developing your crucial conversation skills will give you the tools to talk when the stakes are high. Giving you the confidence to speak up in even the toughest situation. Visit vitalsmarts.com.au.